All right. Hello, everybody. It's live with Dr. Ken, and we are in a recorded session here on Zoom. Hopefully, you can see my buddy JP Parker here. Um, we are talking about Christians in the music industry and just going to have a good conversation here with myself and JP talking about, oh, music industry, things that we do, things that we work on and, and the way we work on them and how that affects everybody. And uh, welcome to Live with Dr. Ken, JP. Thank you, Ken. I am honored to be here today. Awesome. Why don't you tell the people out there what you do at Visible and then uh, with a lot of, lot of different stuff you do here with us at Visible Music College and then maybe some stuff you do with church and all that. Absolutely. So I am a professor in the music production department. Um, that's my role. I now am also the campus lead here in Chicago. So I'm kind of director of operations and I run our recording studio here in Chicago. And I am also uh, in charge of music production for the record label, Madison Line Records. So just kind of being part of that team, uh, filling voids wherever need be. Um, but again, just an all around music guy who loves the Lord. And I am just, every day I wake up and I feel so thankful that I get to do what I love for a living and that's to yeah. share knowledge and educate yeah. the next generation. That's great. That's great. That's, uh, that's what we look for at Visible Music College. And what I talk about here on Live with Dr. Ken is, um, you know, spiritual, professional, academic, having all three things together. It's uh, sometimes a rarity among leaders to be, you know, care for people, also have a professional mindset of success and kind of solutions focused and then academic have, you know, getting credit for what you do. And um, so it's good to, good to talk to you. What, what would you say is your favorite role to play in the studio or the tour environment? You know? Yeah. Normally producer or engineer. I mean, that's what I studied is music production, audio engineering coming out of high school. I wanted to either be a radio DJ or a recording engineer. So I went to school to be a recording engineer, studied some electronics. But yeah, Ken, I love uh, being in the chair, being in the seat, the interface, usually between the band and the equipment or you know, getting the best performance out of the band. So I would, I would probably answer producer, engineer, anything in the artist support department, Ken, uh, so you see, you see the uh, producer role um, as artist support. I do. Now, yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes when I'm in that chair, Ken, I'm pushing more, and I have the vision of where it wants to go, and I have to kind of, you know, encourage the band with the talents I see in them. But then occasionally, when I'm in the band with a band or when I'm in the studio with someone who's already a star technically or further down in their career, my role kind of changes. Like when I'm in the studio with the fray or Wilco or Brandy Carlisle, you know, they're already proven success. They don't really need me to help with the arrangement of the song or that, but they need me because they need that support. They need my ear. So I kind of play different roles can depending on the level of the artist that I'm in the studio okay. with. 
again, when I was in the studio with the Fray, making the first two Fray albums, my role was a technical director, but the band trusted my ear. If something was out of tune or, you know, they knew I would speak up and say, hey, that's not it. The G string on your telly's out of tune. Right. And then I was supporting them, you know, out and about at the hotel, at the restaurant, you know, being the trusted entity close to the band. And I've always kind of played that role for about 25 years now with different bands. Okay. Wow. So you started really young then. Okay. I can see, see you started as a teenager. Um, so uh, what would you, what would you say your personality type, uh, how, how does your personality type um, kind of resonate with that role and, and affect the way you, maybe even your gifting from God, how does that affect your doing that role? Yeah, Ken, and that's really the cornerstone of, of it all. Um, I'm known as an encourager. Uh, you can call me Barnabas if you'd like, but yeah. encouraging and always being positive. Artistic types, they want that in their life. Um, I've been told many, many times, you know, JP, we love having you around because you're so encouraging. Um, but, you know, that's just who I am. It's the way I was raised, Ken. There's enough negativity in this world. Um, and it's earnest. You know, it is who I am. I try to find positive in everything, Ken. And that comes from the Lord. That's what God put in my heart. That's yeah. how the Holy Spirit moves in me constantly. And it's authentic. That's, that's who great. I. That's that's great. Uh, so I, it raises a little bit of a question for me. Um, that's been a longstanding problem for me. I don't have a nickname, and I wonder if only the very best people in the world end up with like initials that you call them by, and therefore they're like the encouragers. I, I I'm just always Ken, and I've always been jealous. Like, how come nobody gives me like JP? Looks like just sounds like the your buddy, you know. So, how'd you get the how'd you get the name, and is it important? Maybe how how, how important it is to get a nickname to be a good serving person in the music industry? Yeah, that's an interesting thing, Ken. So, technically, I have to go back to eighth grade. I was on a bowling trip with our youth group at my church, and whoever was on the scorecard, rather than writing out. Jonathan Lovering Parker, my full name, my Christian name, they just wrote JP. And in fact, later, I, in parentheses, I put me. So for 8th, ninth, and 10th grade, my nickname was JP Me. But then, <laughs> you know, and then I reverted away from it. Like later in high school, I was just Jonathan. Okay. I always hated the name John. So to cut to the chase on that, um, the first band I really toured with was the Freddie Jones band, a Chicago band, some pretty good success. And it was the, it was fast in rock and roll. When nobody has time to say, Hey, Jonathan, could I have a freshly tuned guitar? It's like, Hey, JP, give me an ax. That's right. Like, literally Ken, it was slash and burn. Like <laughs> I don't have time to say all three syllables of your first name. So I became JP out of quickness, and, and uh, it got me there quicker. Okay, and okay, that's good. All well, the bands I worked with, that's, that's who yeah. I was. Well, I, I aspire lifelong aspirations for, for a nickname. That's me. But uh, 
I guess maybe Ken's too short and people just get used to it. And uh, anyway, uh, so do you see, do you see Christians generally as somebody who's has a faith walk with Jesus, who really is, um, you know, walking in that um, lifestyle that they have an opportunity in the music industry? I do, Ken, especially now. We know the world needs hope. The world needs truth. Um, and as you know, I'm, I'm just coming off a visible Christmas tour, and yeah. we made our way down to Dallas and back. And, and again, I know you have a question about live music, but there is something. We brought hope, literally and figuratively, <laughs> with Hope Van Dowser. But yeah, I think now more than ever, Ken, for that question specifically, the world needs hope. People are looking to us. Even I have a lot of friends that were atheists before, and they're all turning back to the Lord. People are starting okay. to get it. And isn't it kind of ironic that it takes a time like this for people to get real and be like, my BMW doesn't matter. Possessions don't matter. Yeah. JP, why are you so happy? Where is your joy? I've been waiting 25 years for someone to ask me that. And again, not a lot of good things are coming out of these quarantine times during COVID-19, yeah. but we can stand firm in our faith. So yes, Ken, I believe more than ever, there is a need, not only a place, but a need for Christian music. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, um, so do you think, uh, what, what would be beyond maybe some technical ways that people can make friends, keep friends in the industry, you know, uh, uh, I say technical, you know, beyond their positivity and their faith. And uh, what are some ways to just practically, hey, I, I want to have a long career in the music industry. I need to know these people. What, what's some uh, practical tips you would say? Yeah, that's another great question, Ken. Be honest. Be who you are, both as an artist and you know, stay true to your calling as a songwriter. And then if you're on the support side or the technical mm -hmm. side, um, again, be honest. Don't polish egos. People, especially artists, bands, they want people around them that will speak truth into their lives. They don't get a lot of that, Ken. As you know, the bigger you get in your career, the more famous you are people come around you that polish your ego and tell you what you want to hear. Real artists, they need truth. And that builds trust as well, Ken. Again, mm -hmm. I've for yeah, 25 years, I've been honest and open and had to tell artists things that maybe their buddies, their entourage wasn't telling them, but would be important. Yeah. either about don't doing drugs or, you know, anything like lifestyle, like, Hey man, you're on a long tour. You need to get your rest. So it's almost like part mother. My wife, Tanya always likes to say, you're just a babysitter for rock stars. But yeah, have my own way to kind of keep them on the straight and narrow. But again, ultimately it's up to them being a positive influence more than anything. Yeah. Ken. Yeah. And so when you're performing that music live, you think uh, you're, you're, you were mentioning earlier, people having a, uh, that's positive impact on, on people just getting out on the live 
you know, out on stage playing live for people um, during this time. Uh, t- tell us more about that. What, why, why do you think people generally, even outside of COVID, why, why should people perform live music and why should they go see shows actually, because that's more important right now, you know? Yeah, Ken, the community, we need the community. Yes, we're going to mask up and we're going to stay six feet away, but there is something about live music that transcends like natural daily occurrences. We're all listening to the same band, for instance, but it affects us all differently. It speaks to us differently. It's just good for the soul, and Because much like yourself, probably, I listen to a lot of music on Spotify, yes, on vinyl, all genres. But And I noticed this actually at one of our senior concerts when I was in uh, Memphis last time. There's something about live music. It just feels good to the soul. It's interactive. Um, Granted, I wasn't handed a microphone. I was in the audience. And just the experience, Ken, and I know you're you're a big proponent of this, and so is Visible in general, but I don't know. Like I said, we got down to Dallas and played at Christ Fellowship. I had people, because we could only have 50 people in the room, and I, we had people coming up to us afterward crying, just saying, you don't realize how much hope you brought. Live music just wow. feels good. We need this. That's great. That's great. Well, I appreciate all your uh, all your answers. It's, it's it's helpful to see somebody a professional in the industry doing stuff that's you know important, reaching people and knowing your gifting and flowing from your gifting. Um, I got one little parting question, just fun on the geeky side. What's what's the some little thing you really love, some little techie thing you really just can't live without or that you love about doing music? Yeah, man. I'm going to go with a piece of equipment, Ken. It's the distant cousin of the original Korg MS-20, the synth with the little patch bay. But I now have, and we used it on like Always in Love and a bunch of Wilco songs, the Korg MS-2000 yeah. modular synthesizer and specifically the vocoder feature. It's a quarter-inch input. So you can plug in anything to it and trigger it. But that piece of equipment is amazing, Ken. Okay. Like plug a guitar into it, you know, anything with a quarter inch. A toaster oven. Yeah, I'm going to put a quarter inch plug <laughs> on a toaster oven. I'm just kidding. I'm sure someone makes that adapter, like a USB to RCA to toaster oven turnaround. There, there may be one, yeah. I digress. I'm going with the Korg MS-2000. That's Our cool, man. Ken. Well, on, on our latest recording of Around the Tree, we use the Korg DM2000 from the 80s. And one of my very favorite um, pieces of gear is my Electribe from the no- early 90s. Uh, killer piece of gear. I'm, I'm a total Korg guy. Um, it's, uh, yeah, especially with the little, and I love those little new I guess this is what you're talking about. The little, the new version of the little mini Moog looking, the old Korg stuff with little tiny plugins. I, I've been wanting, I've been hustling for one of those. That might be Christmas coming right there. Speaking to yeah, me. Yeah, Ken. And the chaos pad, the original chaos pad. Yeah. Incredible. 
Yeah, it's it's creativity. I, I love that. And it's, it's, it's just uh, opening up creativity and plugging things in. Uh, we'll have to try the toaster oven. Um, Absolutely, Ken. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, Ben, you've been listening to Live with Dr. Ken. This is uh, listen to, I'm talking to Jonathan J.P. Parker up in Chicago and with Seven, uh, Seven Spin, right? Yep, that's my recording studio, Seven Spin Music. Seven Spin Music and Madison Line Records and Visible Music College and uh, so much experience and wisdom. Love to spend all day with you, but uh, we'll wrap it up here. Really appreciate you coming, JP. I'm honored, Ken. Thanks for having me. All right. Talk to you soon. See you, everybody later.